And welcome to the 324th episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that spent 45 years getting ready to help you find specs, and all we got was this lousy t-shirt. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hey everybody, glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read some some articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering single sealed product and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5 during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Cliff, what do we have on our agenda this week? We've got uh, four segments on the agenda. We're going to start off by talking about the Week in Review online. We've got a Modern Challenge and a Pioneer Challenge to talk about. Some spicy stuff in there. Then we're going to talk about the top movers in paper and online. Uh, Some of you may have been following along with some of these, and others are just going to come out of nowhere. Uh, Then we have our cards to watch. You and I have a couple of good picks and a fantastic reader pick as well. And then we're going to get into some of the uh, revealed cards from Commander Legends Battle for Baldur's Gate that got put on a stream today. I don't know. I never have a chance to watch a stream. I just I just need the update at the end. Yeah, Wizard, Wizards was ran a stream with a bunch of previews. They showed tons of cards off, but focused a lot on the new Legends slash Commanders and showing off some of the new mechanics and so forth. So didn't give very many heavy hitters yet, but we'll get into that. Uh, kicking things off, we've got the MTGO Metagame Week in Review. Pretty sexy modern challenge there on the Saturday. That would have been May 15th. Um, first place was Blue Red Murktide, which of course has been a staple of the format for several months now, ever since Modern Crisis 2 last summer. Uh, they're now making room for two copies of Ledger Shredder. A uh, pretty good way to get extra cards in the yard that you can then later delve away to get your Murktide a little earlier. Uh, gives you another flying threat that your opponents have to deal with. And... Uh, lets you filter through some cards so that you can find appropriate answers and or threats. I mean, you've got, what, two turns to kill the opponent's Ledger Shredder if you're in the mirror match? You know, your Unholy Heat is not going to get there soon enough. By the time there's four card types in the yard, uh, that guy is going to be having seven toughness, (laughs) you know? It's pretty amazing. I was very much on the fence up front, as one should be, when this card was proposed initially for Modern and was largely being tested by Aspiring Spike and his brethren, um, kind of feeling out the, the opportunity for the card in the format. Uh, so far, it's looking pretty good. I mean, there, there's a home for it here in Murktide. There's a home for it in Reanimator Shells. There's been some fooling around with it uh, with uh, Greasefang and Pioneer. Um, I would imagine there's some standard play going on that I haven't clocked yet, and it's certainly going to see some EDH play. So standing by my initial assessment, which was that it's a, a much stronger looter than it seems, and so far that seem, very much seems to be the case. Um, 
still a seller at elevated prices. I sold a foil extended art last week at $30, which still seems like a reasonable exit point for a card that just got cracked out of a, a, a rare foil extended art that just got cracked out of a CB. But I guess we'll have to see how long it hangs out multi-format because if it posts up in all four formats, then uh, it'll certainly accelerate faster than your average rare foil extended art. I mean, it's in our top movers. We're going to talk about it more in a minute. Living End was in second. And then the most fourth place was Black Green Yawgmoth. I'll double back on that third place list in a second. Green Tron in fifth. Yorion Omnath in sixth. A Mono White Taxes list in seventh. Uh, a list that you definitely don't see very often. Four Archon of Emeria. Four Flicker Wisp. Four Giver of Runes. Four Leonin Arbiter. A Lion Sash, four Skyclave Apparition, four Solitude, four Stoneforge Mystic, four Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, four Emeria's Call, four Ephemerate, two March of Otherworldly Light, two Path to Exile, four Ethervile, a Batterskull, a Cauldre Complete, and Sword of Fire and Ice. Very classic taxes themes going on in there. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised that they went for Yorion for an extra 20 cards in a taxes shell. Usually, you like want this to be you know nice and tight but um you know they they got there so i'm gonna shut my mouth and be like okay 20 more cards not that big a deal our kind of amiria is cute as a counter to ledger shredder because if you get it on oh online God. early enough nobody gets to cast two so ledger shredder never gets any bigger and it can't attack through the amiria i mean our kind of amiria is really really taxing forgive me but uh it just will make your opponents nuts and this plays the full set of like field of ruin plus ghost quarter on the leon and arbiter plan to tech edge i mean that's a card we haven't seen in the longest so that was cool and then there's blue red murtide again with two ledger shredder and eighth so first and eighth and then vivian combo is one of these decks that was proposed tested on various streams uh Planebound Accomplice skyrocketed, and I buy-listed a huge stack of them that I had sitting around from Modern Horizons 1. Uh, you gotta love those bad spec box exits that end up being triples or quads. <laughs> Very nice indeed. And the question mark, of course, has been, is this a real deck? There's lots of combo decks in Modern, but relatively few post-up and top eights on a semi-regular basis. And we've been kind of holding our breath uh, on whether or not Vivian Combo was real pending in appearance and here we have it finishing third in a saturday challenge which is a pretty competitive uh tournament generally speaking and the list has all the usual suspects from if you've been watching this deck on streams you got four karn the great creator four vivian on the hunt out of streets of new capenna which combos with Planebound accomplice kicks off a little a crazy thing that uh allows you to combo off you got four Ren and Six, four Devoted Druid, two Endurance, a Felidar Guardian, four Ignoble Hierarch, a Karmic Guide, Kikijiki Mirrorbreaker, the four Planebound Accomplices, four Ragavan, three Lightning Bolt, and an Unholy Heat, a Luxior, Giada's Gift, one Pyrite Spellbomb, and one Shadow Spear, and then 20 lands. Um, cool. <laughs> Love seeing these new decks, top eight and modern. Format stays fresh. As long as you get a couple of these every month. So the way it works, it's Planebound Accomplice, activate it. So you, you drop Vivian into play, who's a six drop. And then you sack the Planebound Accomplice to go find Felidar Guardian, who flickers Vivian, and who then you flicker 
Vivian to get uh, Karmic Guide, who gets back uh, the Felidar Guardian, who flickers Vivian again, and you sack Karmic Guide to go get Kiki Jiki, and now you have Kiki Jiki and Felidar Guardian in play, and you win. It's a com- it's a complex sequence, and you better make sure you practice it before you show up at FNM with it. Uh, I mean, FNM would be bad enough, but like, can you imagine clicking through this on oh, Magic yeah, that's Online? Real ugly. Uh, but they did. It. I mean, they I, did it because great respect. They, they finished third. Great so. respect. And I, I'm sure some you know res- respectful opponents will concede. But I would imagine, and I, I imagine they had to go through it a few times in in the top eight because you got you got to make them do it. Yeah, and then you just add in all the goodness of having just a, a Karn package, and you've got your Urza Saga package. Like I love it when you mash combo decks together, and it just do great things. It's beautiful. So over in the the beautiful. Pioneer Challenge on the Sunday, we had black red mid range uh, centering on a bunch of value creatures that combo with Fable of the Mirror Breaker. If you manage to get it flipped uh, in first place, you got Winota in second. Boros Arcanist in third, which is, you and I were talking about this before the cast, looks a lot like the blue-white heroic deck that existed in Standard several years back. You got your favored Hoplites in here. You've got Dreadhorde Arcanist, Illuminator Virtuoso out of Streets of New Capenna, Monastery Swiftspear, Soulscar Mage, 10th District Legionnaire. And all of these creatures are super aggressive and really want you to pump them up with a variety of spells like Ancestral Anger, which for one red target creature gains trample and gets plus X plus zero until end of turn, where X is one plus the number of cards named Ancestral Anger in your yard, also draws you a card. You got four Homestead Courage, a Maximized Velocity, Defiant Strikes, God's Willing, Invigorated Rampage, Reckless Rage, Sajiri Shelter, and Spikefield Hazard. Uh, on the back of just 17 land. So they're trying to get in under the wire, push you really hard, hope you don't have the kill spell at the right time, and get you dead by turn four or five, I would imagine. I mean, this is another deck where um, your unholy heat is no good real quick. You know, you're playing with these uh, with these pump spells and uh, gaining counters. So, like, we're... I've always wondered, like, why we see the mix of Unholy Heat and Lightning Bolt that we do, and I imagine this is why, because if you don't have... The heat's really good when you're all set on, like, turn five, but problem is, you're dead with this deck. I mean, this is a Pioneer deck, so they're definitely not running Lightning Bolt against it, but they... Oh, that's true. They, 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 have, they have to... Like, for instance, if you check against the Is It Aggro deck that was in fourth, the next deck, the only kill spells they're running are Play With Fire and Reckless Rage. And Reckless Rage can deal four damage to a creature and two to one of your creatures. Um, so that's, you know, the... And they've got Strangles, I guess, as well. So that's the most damage they can do to you with one spell. So yeah, you can you can get out of range on that pretty easily. Reckless Rage uh, against Favorite Hoplite just makes you want to cry. Well, it's cute if you've got something like a Soul Scar Mage, because it goes to 2-3, you do 2 to your own creature, it doesn't matter, because you don't care what happens to that creature. And and the Ditto with Ledger Shredder being already 3 toughness, and the first time you've cast a second spell, it goes to 4 toughness, so it can shrug that off. Swift Spear, also a 2-3 off the first cast, etc. Uh, it's so amazing that Treasure Cruise is Pioneer Legal. It indicates yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, anybody played played in that standard format and remembers that specific power level uh, must find that amazing. So yeah, this this is another this blue red deck though had four Ledger Shredder uh, and four Treasure Cruise, so that's notable. And then that Boros uh, Arcanist deck was again in fifth as well as in third. You have a Spirits build in sixth, Mono Green Aggro in seventh, and another Spirits build in eighth. So relatively unique uh, overall flavor. You know, I've talked about how over some period of time, chunks of Pioneer and Modern will start to look very similar because as you get more and more sets added, the number of sets that are different between the two formats will narrow. And uh, so far, I'm not really, I don't really see that here, uh, in part because of the respective band lists, in part, in part because we're not that far down the road yet. Very little overlap, uh, especially now that you've got Lurus out of the mix in both cases. Um, you don't you don't see the formats leaning on the card as much. Yeah, um, I like that we don't have any best deck right now in any of them, and like in modern, you you can't even prepare for the the top, you know, ten decks in your fifteen card sideboard. So it's good. Things seem good and I, I do love a, a sweet spirit list too you know mausoleum wanderer is a pet card of mine i, love I mean it. i think pioneer the consensus is that winota is still the best deck but clearly there are some other very powerful decks alongside and it's not clear to me that winota needs a ban i mean the card is very very good but i as they keep power creeping into standard it will right. you know additional winotas will show up um and then you know every human they print makes winota better so there is that uh Okay, moving on over to top paper movers. We've got Smuggler's Share out of the uh, new Capenna Commander cards going from, I think this is the, I want to say this is the extended art version, but let me just double check if I've got that right. There uh, is an extended art version of this, yes. No, I think this is just the regular version we're talking about because there are copies. We've got it here going 30 to 44, but there are copies below that now at 37. Uh, in fact, some decent sized walls have set up. Remember, we've been talking about how early spikes, you know, we talked about this last week about how early spikes for new Capenna, both commander and regular set, looked primed to be undermined once a bunch of tcg direct inventory landed well i'm starting to see those walls brother like if we look at smuggler's share which is in theory a 40 dollar card now uh you've got a wall at 37 10 copies then you've got amazing adventures with 44 copies at 37 dollars. a little further down you got bob's cards with 52 copies at 40 dollars. then you got gaming company posted 166 copies <laughs> So in a situation like this, as popular as this card may be, there is going to be some trickle, I would imagine, trickling off of the price tag where it's going to fall down into the mid to low 30s. Because if you want to sell a copy right now, you've got to undercut these guys or there's no point in posting it. Well, the the question will be, does the price memory set itself this quickly for a card like this? And... You know, this is a, a good card, and it does amazing things. It's two and a white for an enchantment. At the beginning of each end step, you draw a card for each opponent who drew two or more cards, and then you make a treasure token for each opponent who had two or more lands come into play for them. So it helps you catch up when people are getting ahead on resources. 
Um, I just, like, if it hadn't already had the spike that it had had, I wouldn't have pegged this for a $30 card. Well, and let's put it this way. I, I still maintain that having played both cards, like, every weekend for the past month now, Protection Racket is just as good, if not better. Um, it's at least, it's, even if I was to concede that Smuggler's Share is, in fact, the better card, it wouldn't buy, be by more than one point out of a 10-point scale. It's certainly not 10 times the card the Protection Racket is. And Extended Art Protection Rackets are 350 right now. That seems like a, a much better place to put some money. Like, I mean, <laughs> is is Protection Racket going to go 350 to 7 before Smuggler's Share goes 40 to 80? Probably. Um, so anyway, I, I suspect if you look across the Capenna cards, no matter which card you're looking at, Bordeaux's Triumphs, etc. included, we're, we're probably seeing some pretty major walls. What's the name of one of the, tri- the Triumphs? We got like Jet Mears. Uh, Xander's Proving Grounds. Jet Mears Garden Borderless popped up quickly here for me. So if we're looking at, you know, Card Rush posted 25 copies at 17. Not seeing a lot of other major walls in the, in the non-foil Borderless yet, so... Maybe these are a little more resilient for the time being. Yeah, I don't see any major walls on the on the uh, borderless tries, but I could have missed some action on this this weekend. We were pretty busy, so it's entirely possible there were there were sales. You know, somebody snapped off a wall. I'd have to go d- dig into the data a little bit deeper. Um, but bottom line, keep your eye on the Capenna cards to see where the inventory the supply is filling up because that's the stuff that's going to probably, no matter what it's gotten to to date, it's probably going to stall out there for a while. And as people move on to commander legends two, and then double masters two there, you know, and summer is traditionally July by July or so, you're going to have a lull in the magic scene. Uh, might have some, some good bargains on hand. Moving right along here, we've got Tainted Indulgence uh, at a Streets of New Capenna. Foils going from 2 to $3. Not a huge jump materially. Like, you know, you can't sell a $2 card for 3 anywhere and make any money. Uh, flagged because it's been tested pretty heavily in modern reanimator-style decks, and certainly it's going to see a ton of EDH play. Being able to draw 2 cards for 2 mana and then discard one potentially for advantage is certainly good enough to see play all over the place. Uh, coercive portal at a conspiracy non-foils going from 20 to 30 dollars that's 50 percent gains is that the one where you get to vote is that a voting card i believe that is the voting card yeah you get to choose whether you're going to draw a card or uh destroy um you destroy all non-land permanents or you get to draw a card yeah so it's performing yeah so that's the vazi keen negotiator no not vazi we just we just discussed this last week. Whoever the new voting card uh, is. Tivit. Tivit, the seller of secrets. Thank you, that guy. Ledger Shredder, just regular copies, 9 to 16, multi-format play, as we said. Etherworks Marvel from... Sell, from Cal- sell, sell. Uh, yeah, for regular, for regular rare, yeah. Regular rare? Out of at the, the set in print? Absolutely. You crack one at a draft, you immediately uh, get rid of that thing. Like, have you already bought... bought a foil playset of Ledger Shredders. There's probably still an opportunity for you to sell and get back in later. But if you're going to play them, go ahead and play them. Check back in in a year. You'll probably be pleasantly surprised. Um, Etherworks Marvel from Kaladesh, 2 to 375. Card that got banned in Standard at one point. We talked about it last week. 
Uh, was it one of my picks? No, we just talked about it. Uh, great treasure synergy there. Fits into Jolene, Corvold, works with Bootlegger Stash, all the various tokens that people sack these days. A lot of good reasons to be running that card right now. Autothon Worm out of Ravnica foils from 7 to 14. There's a modern combo deck running around where they want all the highest casting cost cards possible. Jolene the Plunder Queen, extended art out of uh, New Capenna Commander, 4 to $8. Another great treasures card. It's in 1,400 decks by itself. It's also uh, a, a commander people are building. And uh, I think it's going to see quite a lot of play on the go forward. Likewise, Currency Converter Extended Art out of the same uh, group of cards, both of which come out of Collector Boosters for the set. 350 to 750. It's a strong EDH card as well. It's in a 1,000 dex EDH wreck. It's a bunch of little cute little synergies with it. It's kind of somewhat of an unassuming card, but there's a lot of synergy across the whole of Commander with that card. Blood Crypt Foil from Dissension. In theory, from 310 to 700 or so, being the, the last available copy posted. TCG Market hasn't agreed on that yet, meaning nobody's actually bought one at that price. But eBay is also hollowed out, and Europe's not looking much better. There are some three and $400 copies in Europe. Here's the thing. A while back, I think it was about a year ago, I said to Travis on cast, you know what's going to be real expensive in a few years that not a lot of people are talking about? original foil shocklands and he's like yeah but they'll never be like never be like duels and i said you know what it'll be pretty close because original foil shocks there are probably less of them than there are revised duels and that is an interesting question I, I would have to run a little math on that but i suspect it's true revised is a pretty big like i had a very heavy print run um and foil rares from the pre-booster fun era when the game was also three times smaller i mean this is a card from the ravnica dissension guild pack right so it was a middle set so you had uh one third it, it was six to one was the number of packs open so things from guild pack would be the rarest but this one being from dissension means it is a third as common as any uh, Ravnica foil rare you could pick. And these these came out in 20, 2005, 2006. Yeah. So we're talking 15 going on 20 years on this stuff. Um, and they are just as playable as duels in your EDH deck because you need the redundancy. So right. if you're a whale and the sky the sky's the limit, you're going to have your duels. You know, you'll cho- choose your flavor between revised and alpha, and then you're going to have your shocks, and you're never not going to need them because they're never going to get banned out of that format, and they'll forever be a major. You know, the the second set of duels or the third set of duels you put in your decks. I mean, I think you can make the argument that the battle bond lands are actually better. Um, but if they're not better, they're all in the top five. Bottom line, uh, we did have this discussion, and here we see that the pressure has been applied. I don't know if it was a short-term speculation flurry on top of the natural drain, or this is just the natural drain coming to the natural conclusion, but bottom line... Man, this could have been somebody who just bought uh, three original foils for a modern deck, and they probably could have moved the price that much on TCG. Uh, Do you see how many copies got sold recently? Mm, I can certainly look it up. 
So looking at Blood Crypt, Dissension. I think Travis, the point Travis made at the time was something along the lines of they're gonna they make all these fancy versions of these these days, whereas the duels don't will never have sure. additional versions. And I said, yeah, but original, if something is old enough, original foil still matters. And these are again fifteen twenty years old. Uh, if we're looking at, uh, let's see, I see one moderately played foil sold uh, on the fourteenth for just under three hundred. And you've got exactly ten foils, ten vendors. Uh, one person has three moderate foils for three thirty-five. But near mint, uh, there's two copies at eight hundred. I'm I'm only seeing a damage foil, an HP foil, and an MP foil selling in all of 2022. So this doesn't look like a flurry of activity. This just looks like the the the, the cliff. <laughs> you drove the car towards the cliff slowly, buying, and then you fell right off of it. So now, how long have you been waiting to make that a joke like that? Has it been 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 burning at you? Has it? You feel better? I didn't now? really feel like that was a joke, uh, as oh, okay. as much as a metaphor. Point being, if you ever wanted these, probably take a look at Europe as your best option right now, and, and or maybe Facebook groups, strike a deal, because uh, I think trading something that may be pretty close to peak into some of these is probably pretty good. Could these be? You know, you can probably still get deals done between three and five hundred, I would imagine. But I, I bet you, given another year or two, it's going to be hard to get deals done under a thousand. Mm-hmm. I would agree with you on that. These are uh, iconic and rare, which is the combination you all and ever present. They're, you know, in. We will go back to Ravnica for the seventeenth time. And the thing is, Pioneer doesn't have fetches, but they do have shocks. So. Then we've got unlicensed Hearst extended art out of uh, Streets of New Capenna collector boosters, two to five dollars. Seeing multi-format play, uh, I saw it do some work in a couple of modern matches on stream. They would just like every turn in a control deck drain people's yard, especially against blue red Murktide. That's very effective because you can just make it. You know, they might get off the first Murktide, but then you can make it really hard for them to get to the second, and then eventually that Hearst turns into like a twelve twelve or a fourteen fourteen, and they have to deal with it. Also works really well in a control deck where you have your miser, um, mute vault or whatever. Well, you can also because it's a not creature by a creature by default. You can fool around with the timing. You can wait till you've got enough counter spells to win the war over whether that creature gets to hit, and they can hold up all the unholy heats you want. But if you've got enough counter spells to match, they're still going to get hit for fourteen and lose. Well, these unholy heats are only good for two because you've been tapping the thing. Well, like control decks have always have always liked to have threats that are that are only exposed when they want them to be. So, for instance, like in Esper Angels in Historic, I run Hall of the of the Storm Giants or whatever. Um, that's the, the right. seven seven Ward three. I was thinking Colonnade, but your your example works. Yeah, too. Colonnade's the classic one. Um, but yeah, the, the Hall of Storm Giants is kind of the is the go to at this point because it's so big. And I've killed many a player with that card. Um, Sage's Reverie, Fate Reforge Foil, you may or may not have sitting around in a binder. They probably, I would imagine one of the reasons a card like this can get expensive is because they were never buy listed. Like this is not the kind of card you you end up deliberately taking to a buy list. <laughs> this is the kind of card you threw on the table as draft chaff and it got thrown into the garbage. Um, it's a light pause card supposedly went from five to twenty eight dollars four hundred and fifty percent plus gains just means that there was a slow steady drain on this card and there was basically none left uh 
and it's uh if you're in a white auras matters kind of deck this is where you'd be playing that hence the light pause reference grudge creek keeper out of uh conspiracy foils two to thirteen dollars again because of the voting commander whose name i can never remember and that tivit tivit and that was 500 percent plus all right, moving on over to top Magic Online movers of the week. We've got Zeatora the Incinerator out of Streets of New Capanna going from 0.58 ticks to 2.13. That's a 260% plus gains on the back of Standard and EDH play. We've also got Luxior, another Mythic from that set, uh, going from 3.5 ticks to 7.18. It showed up in the Vivian combo deck in Modern, as well as seeing this significant amount of edh play we've got botanical sanctum out of kaladesh going from 1.23 ticks to 2.54 percent gains there on the back of heavy pioneer play and then likewise nykthos trying to nix out of theros 1.23 ticks to 2.52 ticks 104 percent gains in the mono green uh, decks in pioneer cards watch we'll dive right on in how about o- ophiomancer Foils uh, from Commander Collection Black. Why is this good? Well, it's in 12,000 EDH rec decks. It makes tokens, which are all sort have all sorts of synergies these days. And Ophiomancer has only ever been in foil once in this specific set. And I would imagine since they just did that, they'll probably leave it alone for a little bit. And last I checked, we were down to some very reasonable number, despite there being plenty of Commander Collection Black sitting around. Uh, we're down to just non-foil listings, about 90 or so, which is pretty reasonable given that it came out about six months ago. And the foils are down to 21 listings, no major walls. Uh, calling this to go from about 16 or 17, uh, exit closer to 35. Probably worth checking Japan and Europe to see if you can get it even cheaper. Um, Europe especially, since I know they had uh, a reasonable amount of Commander Collection Black over there. Single foil printing of a very good commander card seems like a slam dunk given six months, 12 months, maybe a year and a half. But with 21 listings left, I think it's going to be on the lower end of that scale. It's also worth noting that um, there's a whole lot of um, commander collection black premiums on TCG, but they're all for like $100. So resupplying this is uh, difficult at best, and even then, you're you're draining out hundred dollar uh, boxes for these. And uh, yeah, I think this is solid because it's every upkeep. So if you've got good stuff to do every upkeep with a free creature, then you get down with your bad self. Fiamancer's got uh, quite the the cube pedigree. You just you're always going to get your death toucher, and it requires a removal spell. It's a good pick. I didn't know it had gotten so cheap. I might need to go. Uh, does it make a green snake? It makes a black snake with death touch. I might need to put this in the um, in my Iara deck then. I gotta go get one of these. I'm curious whether... Hmm, is this a good credit out for Card Kingdom? Let's see. Yep, it is. Card Kingdom has them at 18, so if you're looking for credit outs, this could be a solid one. All right. Uh, my first pick this week is uh, a World Wake foil rare, Thada Adele the Inquisitor. Uh, for one, if you've never played against this card, I understand. 
Uh, it's one blue-blue for 2-2 two, two Merfolk Rogue. It has Island Walk, so in Commander, it's always getting there. And uh, when it hits a player, you get to look through their library, exile an artifact. You may play that artifact this turn. You have to pay the cost for it. But, you know, you play it on turn three, and you hit somebody on turn four, you generally have your choice of mana rocks. Soul Ring is, the, of course, the gold standard, but you grab whatever you like. Um, I think the uh, Tasha the Witch Queen, right? That's her mm-hmm. name? Tasha the Witch Queen, uh, where it's going to... It's telling you to cast spells you don't own. And I think Thought Adele has some amazing synergies there. Plus, we've never gotten a reprint on this card. It's only in about uh, 8,000 decks on EDH rec. It's never been in a pre-con. Um, you can get copies in Europe under $20. Uh, I'm picking these in the U.S. to go 30 to 60 And once people start building... Uh, Tasha decks, this is going to be a card that they just go raging over because you just immediately grab all the mana rocks and you're getting way ahead. Shout out to my friend Mark who has this deck and is just a beast. We've seen several very narrow cards that only work in Beantown Bullies go off and make some Pro Traders some money. So I think Tasha is going to be very similar because there is going to be a list of five or ten cards that are must-includes in that deck. Otherwise, the deck doesn't work. Um, and this will be one of them. The other thing I, I'm noting here is this is a, a card I've overlooked that should be in my ninja's decks. Because it's a rogue, for one thing. And a lot of the, the ninja synergy cards, uh, like rogue class, care about rogues, as does silver for a master. And it has Island Walk, and a lot of people will have islands, as you say. So it's going to everybody's got. So islands. it sets up Ninjutsu well, and it does a pretty decent impression of a preemptive Thieving Skydiver, uh, one of my favorite cards that I cast again during the Pro Trader uh, testing session last weekend. Went something like Island, something, some creature go swamp soul ring thieving skydiver steal somebody else's soul ring <laughs> again that the foil extended arts again too too cheap and these are at 30 bucks i guess i guess the main risk here as for so many things is secret layer and or double masters if it dodges both of those for this year then between ninjas and tasha there's plenty of pressure to dry up what is very limited supply I'm curious if we take a look at Thada over in Europe, where it would be totally under the radar, whether we're doing any better. Let me just take a quick look. I I looked, and there's there's a lot of copies for like 16 euros-ish, so 20-ish in, in U.S. dollars. I mean, with the euro and the yen so weak against the U.S. dollar right now, there's n- never been a better time to be trying to rock arbitrage. And right, there's somebody in Portugal who has a near mint foil copy for twelve euro, which is like fourteen dollars, right? Yeah, with with shipping and everything, you're probably you're still going to get to twenty to twenty five. But that again, that's shaving five dollars off U.S. pricing. So yeah, Europe's looking pretty solid. Uh, there's not a lot of these left. There's plenty of reason to be running the card. It may or may not ever catch a reprint. Looks like a good one to me. Uh, my next one also pretty good. Re- Resourceful defense extended art out of the uh, New Capenna Commander. These have got started at something like 20 or 25 on TCG Player and have slowly, as the EV has boosted 
or the EV has shifted to cards that have boosted, some cards had to bleed. And this is one of the cards that that doesn't have a ton of um, obvious hype around it, despite being one of the top five uh, commander cards from the set. According to EDH Rec, it's already in 1,400 decks. It's a unique Ozolith-style effect. Um, it has all sorts of synergy, both current and future forward. Uh, I played Atraxa Planeswalkers, Atraxa Super Friends, this uh, weekend in one of the Pro Trader games, and made careful note of how many times my Planeswalkers were attacked out of existence versus being destroyed or exiled. And nine times out of 11 they were destroyed or exiled as opposed to being attacked. Which means that in all of those cases, had I had a resourceful defense in the deck, which I haven't yet placed in the deck, um, I would have been transferring those counters to some other Planeswalker, which would have served as a rattlesnake effect once on board because people would be loath to you know, fire off a Vanishing Verse on your random mono-colored planeswalker if it's going to immediately ultimate one of your other planeswalkers. Um, And especially because I run things like Teferi Master of Time um, that can use abilities at instant speed. I have the Wanderer in there as well that can can play a similar kind of game. Uh, I think this is a very, very good card. And the thing is that Atraxa is still in the top 10, despite almost all the commanders being built this week in the top 10 on EDH Rec being related to New Capenna and or Neon Dynasty, Atraxa is still hanging steady in the top 10, and that's because they gave her a whole bunch of counters, matters cards in New Capenna, and people are finding fresh ways to build the deck. And it's also because they gave us Luxior and a bunch of interesting new Planeswalkers, and there are still these two major paths you can go down where you're you're building Atraxa as a Super Friends deck, or you're building it as a counter creature counters matters deck, or you can do some mix of the two because they all work with your commander anyway. And in all of those situations, you will find reason to be running things like the Ozolith and Resourceful Defense if you have the creature side of things going. And Resourceful Defense works with any counters on permanence. And then gives you the bonus ability of for five mana later in the game, you can start moving shit around proactively. So I think this card is very, very good um, and doesn't have a tremendously deep inventory level. I think we're looking at, let me see what I found on this, Resourceful Defense on TCG Player down to 49 listings already. It is, uh, the biggest wall is Gamers Guild, 18 copies, just under $10. A few other mid-sized walls, nothing too serious. Uh, if you if you are still holding your breath, waiting to see how much more inventory is backed up and direct, you might want to give it another week or two. But I, I don't feel bad nibbling the, on these in the eight to ten dollar range, and then waiting to see how things develop. Um, looking to out at twenty dollars plus somewhere down the road. I'm curious, like, are you choosing the EA non foils because there are copies on TCG? Because like, it looks like as soon as somebody lists one on TCG Player, it gets sold off. And because you only pull these from the promo packs, so these are going to be tricky foils to find. But those aren't foil extended arts; they're regular foils. They're they're foil in the regular frame. Yeah. Yes. So, so like, I'm not worried about those. I, you're not worried about those. Okay. So you think that uh, commander players will chase the extended art over the foil non-extended art? Oh yeah, I, I always rank extended art over pack foil, but the. If if not not the least reason of which is they don't they don't curl like pack foils do. Hmm. Um, okay, but the I I think it's a great uh, I'm totally with you on the pick. It's just that I'm never sure 
like if there isn't an FEA, if there's a foil extended art, like how the two will match up against each other. Because in products where you have an extended art and a foil, pack foil, those prices tend to be similar. But in this case with Resourceful Defense, because you get the foils with the Planeswalker symbol out of the promo pack, there's going to be a whole lot less of those foils. But that's just it. I think the because there's so many less of those foils, the price on them is going to decouple. It will end up probably being the higher price, but it's going to also be kind of an invisible... Like, so few players will even know that card exists. It's not going to have any competi- competitive interaction with the extended art. The, the real competitive angle with the extended art is between extended art and regular copy. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, which is what I would I would question more. You could easily say, you know, just go out over the regular copies, but however close they are to each other, like if I see a regular copy at eight and an extended art at ten, I'll go ahead and get that extended art. Yeah, there's no question. If, if the regular yeah. copy of this in particular was say two dollars and the extended art was ten, then I think the two is your is your better bet because you're going to get to buy less than two to five or something or two to four fifty right. credit on on CK somewhere along the way and okay. do better than you will on the extended arts. Um, so it's worth double checking that, but bottom line, this is a very good card and unique between this and the Ozolith. That's basically it. That's, that's <laughs> those, that's the population of cool town for exchange encounters on permanence. There, that's not true. There's the, um, guy who is, uh, a partner commander who, uh, is black, green, uh, Rayhan, last of the abs. Okay. What's he mm-hmm. do again? I, I had that. I had this deck. Um, whenever a creature you control dies or is put in the command zone, if it had one or more plus one plus one counters, you can put those counters on target creature. Yep, I have it in. So, I have it in creatures counters for command for attracts. So that's correct. But as yeah, as so, a three color card, no comparison to the Ozolith, which is a colorless card, or this, which is monocolor white. Yeah. So, but you're right. Uh, this is sweet, and um, if you've never played with this sort of effect, uh, it will play merry hell with your opponent's plans. And just wait till we get cool shit. Like, this means uh, shield counters just bounce all over the place, right? Like, your shield counters... No, the permanent has to leave the battlefield, not the counters. Okay. But uh, you do some kind of mass flicker effect, and then you just aren't giggling because you left one thing behind. Well, basically, like where this gets really good is where they destroy or exile the card because it cares about the right instead of attacking it. Because attacking it means it has zero counters when it leaves, right? If you're talking about planeswalkers, if you're talking about creatures, you just don't want you want the counters to leave without right. them getting into combat. Right. Okay. So, but you can also do cute stuff like sack your permanent to something in response to anything that's about to happen to it. Like, you go ahead and put it in a combat. If they block that one and you don't want the counters to come off in that way, then you, you just go ahead and, and sack it before any counters leave, and then they get bounced around. So, Right on. You can get real cute with this card, just like you can with the Ozolith in, in Affinity Builds and Modern. Uh, my other pick this week is uh, a Time Spiral Old Border Foil, uh, Palace Jailers. You can still get them for about $22 here in the U.S. Uh, it's in around 9,000 decks online. It's a fantastic cube card. It has a little bit of legacy play. And, uh, you know, I am I wrote a whole article last week about Time Spiral remastered uh, Old Border Foils. And this is just uh, another brick in that particular wall there. 
not a lot of copies available. There's not going to be more like this. And uh, I just think if you want a copy, uh, you should get it now. I'm picking it to go uh, from 22 to about 50. I think when it hits, it's going to hit pretty big. And you should definitely get your copies now before it gets too expensive. It's very hard to replace these cards because of where they came from. A short printed premium set, which many casual players will have dodged entirely because they didn't need to spend $250 a box on this because it wasn't necessary to play standard. Um, And they were perfectly happy in that circumstance to just buy singles as necessary. And now you've got this slow, steady drain on the OBS. I mean, six, 12 months ago, within that period, um, Travis was complaining about these OBS. Other pro traders have said the same. Oh, disappointed because they started so high and then trickled off. But then they started, the good ones started bouncing off that bottom because there wasn't massive overwhelming demand for them, but there is a slow, steady trickle of demand and there's not tremendous supply so you're just seeing the good the good cards top 10 15 cards from this set being chipped away at to the point where there won't be any left and then you're going to have legacy players that are just like you know what i want i need one of those for my legacy taxes deck and or i need two or whatever and they they you know grab a little bite and that represents five percent of the existing online inventory (laughs) and we're not too far off on a lot of this stuff now, so I think this one is uh, real solid. Tell me about your last real solid pick, because uh, I, I think I need a couple of these for different decks, too. Yeah, so Benny Brax Foil Extended Art is $20 now. And I very much expect that Benny, our boy, is, you know, the foils are probably going to get, I think foils started at... 25 or so got as low as 15 so there was an opportunity closer to release weekend i guess and then they bumped up to about 20 and they've been coasting ever since i guess so they didn't get down so much as pre-order pricing collapsed got down to 15 and now they've been pretty steady around 20 we're down to 32 listings on these there's an amazing adventures quote-unquote wall 11 copies and then everything else is pretty pretty onesie twosie um, Benny Brax is a tremendous card. It's also a mythic uh, foil to pull out of a collector booster pack, which means it's a whole lot of packs to find one of these Bennies in foil. I'm not a huge fan of the art, uh, but that is neither here nor there. It's an elf druid. It has convoke. In the beginning of each end step, if you created a token this turn, draw a card. We talked about this last week or the week before about how it's not just creature tokens. It's any time you make a treasure. It's any time you make a clue. It's any time you make a blood token, etc. Uh, Benny goes off. So you're going to draw a lot of cards. <laughs> you got a bootlegger stash out. You can draw a card at will per turn cycle four times. I mean, yeah. I, I was I, every time I look at this card, I'm like, oh yeah, I can I can make a creature token every. Oh wait, any token. Oh Jesus Christ. Um, yeah. No. This is, um, it's one in every 164 packs, if I did the math correctly. And uh, that's Commander Boost, Commander, Collector Booster Packs. And so there will never be an enormous amount of these. We've gotten a lot of the early rush done. And now it's a question of, will it uh, settle in? I think seeing it go to 40 is pretty conservative for 
there's some surprise to see you said only 40. I'm just being, you, you, would go you know, just being reasonable. I think this is a future 60 to $80 card easily, but call it to go 20 to 40. It'll be hard to go wrong. Um, it's also top five NCC cards on EDH rec. It's in 1650 decks already. It's uh, a mythic. As I said, it's an auto include in white tokens, treasure, clue decks, etc. cetera. Uh, both Jetmere and Ginny Fay want the card and they are both popular right now. Uh, all told, that seems like slam dunk to me. Uh, mm-hmm. Moving on over to the Pro Trader selection of the week. This looks pretty good too. Vivian of the Hunt. Uh, sorry, Vivian on the Hunt, not of the Hunt. Kind of an odd turn of phrase there, but here we are. Uh, foil etched. They are currently $30. There are only 34 listings left on TCG Player. There are no major walls because, as you and I both know and have discussed multiple times, uh, these are extremely hard to pull. So even if you're the gaming company cracking hundreds of boxes for TCG Player, you're not going to see all that many of these. It takes a whole lot of packs. Each version, whether you're talking borderless foil, the Art Deco foil, or in this case, the Art Deco etched foil, that's one in every 492 collector boosters. Yeah, so 492 divided by 12 gives you 41 collector booster boxes. Uh, which at a rate of $200 box means you got to open something between eight and $9,000 US of product to find one of these. Just one. And it's a four of in a deck we just saw top three in the modern challenge this weekend plus it's already in 1400 decks on edh rec it's just a good green planeswalker in general and is probably going to it has combos now and will probably have more combos in future and just does good things anyway like in a tokens deck it just makes rhinos every turn if there's nothing else to do I mean, yeah, that, that's your floor, is you get a Rhino every time. Or, or you mill five cards, then put any number of creature cards milled this way into your hand. <laughs> so That seems good, is, too. Is, these are just gener- generically good green abilities. Um, art's fine, nothing to write home about. The character is not particularly beloved. But if the Wandering Emperor can be $250, this being 10 times cheaper right now, seems like an opportunity to enter. So I think Maneka, out of the Pro Trader Discord, has got their finger on the button here uh their declared conflict by the way was that they've already bought their set of four so there is that but it doesn't make them any more any less right i mean having four uh i'm impressed they were able to pick up four already at a reasonable price especially we're about to see it go crazy being part of a modern combo deck yeah i i, I will pick up at least one playset after the cast tonight to put my toes in the water and we'll see where it goes from there i'm not like tremendously I don't believe that this deck is going to be a tier one deck that's going to be around for a while. I would, but people said that about Black Green Yawgmoth, and we see it almost every other week. So <laughs> it's true. We'll see what happens. It's true, and and that's a very similar deck in the, in terms of cards you have to draw to execute your optimal game plan, and then you have a bunch of kind of fallback positions. Um, and I think they're similar kinds of decks overall. All right, so to wrap things up this week, there was a big big stream that we alluded to earlier where they showed off a bunch of new cards for uh, Battle for Baldur's Gate, which is Commander Legends 2. Set comes out uh, three weeks from now. I think that sounds right. Probably two weeks to pre-release or something. So there's going to be previews every day for the next couple weeks. Um, We haven't seen like a Jeweled Lotus level hit yet for this set, but there's been a long-standing rumor that Dockside Extortionist 
um, is going to get reprinted here. And uh, there was some debate in the Discord today whether the set is better is going to be better or worse than Commander Legends. I think it's very, very unlikely that they let it be worse. Um, I could see this very easily being sneaky good, where there's a bunch of cards or, that people underestimate up, up front. I also po pointed out to the Discord that most of the value in the Commander Legends uh, set is rooted in Jeweled Lotus, Vampiric Tutor, Mana Drain, a handful of important commanders, specifically the foil-etched versions of Sakashima, Yuriko, Thrasios, and Timna. And then Jessica's Will, Commander's Plate, and the Battle the Battle Bond Duels Part 2. And that's it. So you really only for the set to be a success, you just you need you probably do need a home run like the Jeweled Lotus. So we have yet to see that for the set, I'm pretty sure. Um, so that's kind of a hold your breath and wait and see. Uh, but between rumors said that Smothering Tithe and or Dockside Extortionist are in the set, that kind of fulfills a Mana Drain plus Vampiric Tutor-esque role. Like Foil Borderless uh, Dockside, if Dockside is a mythic, which it very easily could be. Um, will be a, I imagine it is. Will be yeah. a very expensive card. Um, they'd be crazy to put that at rare. Um, and then we know we're getting the other Battle Bond lands, the original ones here, so that there's a pretty clean analog there. And I guarantee you, we're going to get a handful of important commanders. Um, they showed off a bunch of cool ones today. I don't think people have really had time to fully absorb them. But let's jump through here and just talk about a few cards that jumped out at us. I guess we'll kick things off with the uh, the card that prompted one of your picks this week. Tasha the Witch Queen. Three, three <laughs> blue-black, legendary planeswalker, Tasha. Whenever you cast a spell you don't own, create a 3-3 three, three black demon creature token. I'm going to create this huge battle now over Tasha versus Tasha. Whenever you cast... Whenever you whenever you cast a spell you don't own, create a 3-3 three, three black demon creature token. The plus one on the Planeswalker is draw a card for each opponent, exile up to one target instant or sorcery card from that player's graveyard and put a page counter on it. Minus three is you may cast a spell from among cards in exile with page counters on them without paying its mana cost. So you have to... And Tasha can be your commander. Correct. And has foil, four loyalty to start. So you have the plus one or up to five, and on the next turn manage to pull off a minus three so that you can go through the cycle of accessing a card and casting it. Um, but there's going to be a bunch of other cards in your deck, like the one you suggested uh, as your pick this week, that will allow you to get around the slower moving version of that. And this is a pretty fun commander. Uh, first of all, it's a cool character. That book is all about um, the whole deal here is that she's just very has a huge compendium of aggressive magic, and that is a a beloved book by D and D players that play Five E, um, a book I've used many times in our play sessions this year, and so well known amongst the D and D crowd. And this is a pretty good representation of the character. I would imagine the borderless art version is going to be very popular. Hmm making 3-3 three, three demons to that protect her off the first time you get to fool around with the casting other people's spells seems good. And then the ability here is going to be narrow, so it's going to make some very specific things uh, popular in a hurry if she's popular. 
One example would be something like Ashiok Nightmare Muse from Theros Beyond Death. Um, because that Ashiok is five for five loyalty planeswalker, plus one create a two, 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 three blue and black nightmare creature token with whenever this creature attacks or blocks, each opponent exiles the top two cards of their library. And then minus seven is you may cast up to three face-up cards your opponents own from exile without paying their mana costs, which would trigger Tasha three times and give you three demons. Um, so that's cute. And these foils, this is a foil mythic, uh, where the foils are $5. And there are 41 listings left. I'm probably going to have a whole article about this on Friday, about uh, cool things, because this is, you know, I love a commander who tells you what exactly what to do. And uh, while I'm getting a 3-3 demon as my payoff for doing these things, it's something I want to do anyway. You know, if you've ever seen somebody play a Gonti deck, they're just like, this is the most fun ever. I get to play your cards. I get to play your cards. Um, so Gonti would be one. Uh, if you're a believer in going after something, uh, in standard with not a lot of copies, uh, you know, little preview of Friday, but, uh, Siphon Insight will give you two bites at the particular apple where you get to cast somebody else's stuff and it has it exiled, ready to go for when Tasha's in play. So, uh, the extended arts are gettable for around two bucks on direct and nobody has more than seven copies out of 62 vendors. So that might be a card that dries up quickly if Tasha takes off. Don't forget to include Rogue Class Ampersand promo version. Because there are only 12 listings of those left on TCG Player. I mean, the Ampersands are just a, a good pickup anyway. But Tasha is definitely going to run this card. Because whenever a creature you control deals combat damage to a player, exile the top card of that player's library face down. And then once you get it to level 3, you can play cards exiled with rogue class. And you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast those spells. So you have a hyper rare promo that is an auto-include in Tasha. Ding ding. And, I pretty, and, and I'm pretty sure I just bought copies of these for $25 in, Euro, in Europe last weekend. I saw uh, Tasha get spoiled, and I bought a playset of foil chaos wand as well. Sure. So that you can like get the mill, you get to play other people's spells. You just like don't even have to do any work. I'm just gonna play whatever your next spell is. Boom, done. Yeah. So Tasha's cool. They also showed us El Minister, uh, and El Minister is a kind of a Gandalfy figure in D and D. They've got him at. He's- Dressed exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They've got him at three white blue for a five loyalty planeswalker who can also be your commander. And this one is scry as a theme. So whenever you scry the next instant or sorcery spell you cast this turn costs X less to cast where X is the number of cards looked at while scrying. So the more, the bigger the scry, the less your next, next instant or sorcery spell cost is reduced, which is very synergistic because that big scry lets you find the card that you're going to get the most value out of for that purpose. And it's cute because when you're not when you don't have enough mana in the earlier part of the game um you're going to cast smaller stuff naturally uh, because it'll work better with your available mana and then when you get deeper into the game you scry more and find bigger spells and do nastier things uh plus two is draw a card then scry two so that's just built right in and then you've got minus three exile the top card of your library create a number of one one blue fairy dragon creature tokens with flying equal to that card's mana value. So Elminster really wants you to have a bunch of big casting cost spells in your deck and a bunch of ways to jack your scry values up. And it's pretty nice that he's got built-in protection. 
uh, and card draw, and synergy. People seemed underwhelmed by this, but this seems like a very solid commander to me that is going to get more and more sky cards over time. Uh, I saw this, and my first thought was immediately uh, Mystic Speculation. Uh, two, uh, one blue to scry three on a sorcery with buyback of two colorless. Mm-hmm. So um, it hasn't been reprinted since Future Sight, and uh, copies can be had in foil. There's only 18 foil listings. Uh, only there's one at 10, 12, and then you're up into the $20 range. Uh, how many have sold today? One. There's been, there's already been kind of a run on the foils today. I see. Makes sense. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of people saw this and went right for the foils. There's two, three pages of sales just for today. Not just on foils either. Like this, the, the non-foil price is pushed up into the $2 range. So you know, that'll be really amazing in this deck. You're going to pay two and a blue to scry three. And then you get to uh, your next spell costs three less. It's free. I imagine I imagine they put that in the commander deck with this guy, right? Yeah, that's not a face card. Oh, biscuits. No, this is just a mythic in the set. So clearly we've got two more planeswalkers coming, right? Because we got um, blue, white, black, blue and red-green Planeswalkers that can be your commander. So we've got... Uh, there could be a cycle of five to do that, yeah. Could be a cycle of five, yeah. So apparently there are 22 Mythics and 70-plus rares in this set. Uh, so we have some more... A, that's a, a lot. ...a ways to go. And we've got a healthy chunk of those tracked here because we know there are five dragons. Right. We're, we're presuming there might be a, a cycle of five Planeswalkers that can be your commander, so that would be 10 of the 22. Uh, and then we've seen... Battle Angels, Bramble Sovereign, El, I think that's El, it for me. No, El, El Minister's Simulacrum. All right, Simulacrum. Uh, and Volo Iterant Scholar. He's a mythic? I didn't know that. Yeah. And so I would say that we are probably two-thirds of the way there in terms of we haven't seen all of those cards but we kind of know where we're headed let's tackle a few of those ones we've seen battle angels of tear i think people are underestimating this card four for a four four angel knight first of all people are building giada like crazy right now and this is going to go right into giada it's flying and it has myriad which means that when it attacks copies of it uh, you get token copies of it that last till end of turn and they also come in tapped and attacking. Whenever Battle Angel of Tear deals combat damage to a player, draw a card if that player has more cards in hand than each other player. Then you create a treasure token if that player controls more lands than each other player. Then you gain three life if that player has more life than each other player. Now it has to deal combat damage. So anybody who manages to block your Flying Angel is not going to cough up a trigger. And it could happen, could so happen that everybody could block and you get no triggers. But you you just abyssed the table in that, presumably, in that case, um, or came close to it. And in, I would say in the average scenario, you're going to get a couple of beneficial triggers. One player might block. Your tokens go away. Maybe you have some kind of way to sack them for value. Um, that'll be nice. And you could get a whole crazy bag of, of triggers that get, are pretty good for four, four, four mana. 
This this look like you put, you take a card like Smuggler's Stash and compare it to like this. And whatever price this is going to be, it won't be as much as Smuggler's Stash. And you're going to have trouble convincing me this isn't kind of the same kind of thing. Like Stash doesn't do any damage to the table. It build it builds resources when you're behind. This does m much the same thing, but also presents a threat. And it presents a threat to the whole table. Yeah. So no, I, it's I think, pretty good. Like in a Giada deck, this is coming down on turn three. Uh, you know, how many commander games have you played where somebody's got uh, a flying blocker that they're willing to put in the way of a 4-4 angel that's attacking you on turn four? Yep. Like, there is not a lot. And, you know, if you manage to get through with all of them, not only have you dealt uh, 12 damage to, you know, all three players, but you've also drawn a card, uh, you have made a treasure, and you have gained life uh, as long as you weren't ahead on cards, lands, or life. I mean, this is this is redonk. I'm I'm. Wait a second. Doesn't Giada dole out tokens to angels when they come in? Yes. E e so they're going to be e five fives that hit. Yes. No, they all see each other, don't they? They're bigger. Uh, uh, whenever is Giada? Whenever you cast, or whenever it comes into play? I think it's when it comes into play. Giada Font of Hope is each other angel you control enters the battlefield with an additional plus one plus one counter on it for each angel you already control. Right. So they're only going to come in with the angels you already. So the myriad trigger happens on attacking. Yeah. But assuming you have Giada and say one Turn other Giada. and one other angel, then these are six sixes swinging. No. The, the the myriad tokens would be seven because they'll see the original. The original will come down as a, if you have two angels already when you cast. Uh, well, no, it'll oh, be a six six, six, six and then two and then angels. the subsequent myriad tokens are seven sevens. Gotcha. That makes sense. Correct. Bottom line, they're real big. Because I because <laughs> I was gonna say like, outside of Giada, I'm playing Corval, you're playing Urdrag, and we can probably block fine. But not necessarily if you're on if you're on. My dragons don't do a lot of blocking, brother. I'm not gonna lie. Like I didn't put a dragon deck together to hang back and block angels. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna yeah take some chomps. Bottom line, this is a, a strong looking angel. It's gonna be worth some money. I down love road. it. It's it's gonna be right into Giada. It's crazy good. Given a reprint on Bre Bramble Sovereign out of Battle Bond, uh, that's a four four for four. Whenever another non token creature enters the battlefield, you may pay one and a green if you do that creature's controller creates a token that's a copy of that creature uh timely because again jetmir and jenny fey etc and there are lots of other decks that make use of this card they're giving us a foil borderless version so that's pretty sweet we've already talked about minsk and boo timeless hero that's also a, a very good looking planeswalker slash commander el minister's simulacrum four double blue instant it's a mythic for each opponent, you create a token that's a copy of up to one target creature that player controls. Bit pretty key that this is instant, not sorcery, because this can get yeah, this would be a very yucky sorcery. This can get very nasty. Like mid combat, you are someone's attacking into you and say one other player. You copy the biggest thing at the table that the the attacking player didn't want to attack into, and put it put it into block maybe it has a come into play trigger who knows you copy some other thing at the table that has synergy with stuff you're doing 
okay, that was very nice for you. I'm playing Corvold, and I... Well, I'm not playing Corvold because I'm not in blue. <laughs> I'm playing something that, like, Yuriko or something, and I cast this, and I copy somebody's Blightsteel, and things are... Bad things are going to happen. There's... This is the three best creatures. Well, not the three best creatures. It's the best creature from each side of the table for six mana at instant speed. This is a very good card. I agree. This is going to do a lot of work and will probably not be super cheap in foil extended art either. Back in the day, this would have, these tokens would have lasted until end of turn and had haste or something. Now you just keep them. Yes. So there's that. <laughs> they showed Back a, in my day. They showed us Volo, Itinerant Scholar. Volo is... Volo's Guide's Guide to Monsters is like a major monster book for D&D. So Volo is, to, is akin to Tasha in terms of fame in the D&D world. Um, Volo is a 2-3 for Tuna Blue. Legendary Creature Human Wizard. When Volo enters the battlefield, create Volo's Journal, a legendary colorless artifact token with hexproof, and whenever you cast a creature spell, note one of its creature types that hasn't been noted for this artifact. Two tap, draw a card for each creature type noted for target permanent you control named Volo's Journal, and then choose a background. Backgrounds are new commander-esque cards. They're enchantments, kind of. But they're not all all enchantments. Are they all enchantments? I believe they're all enchantments. Uh, There's at least one they showed us today that was not. One was a creature and an enchantment. Really? Yeah. They they, they put in there for draft purposes. But bottom line, you're getting a bonus. You're getting some enchantment that you can cast. I guess when you choose a background, do you put it into the command zone? Yes. To be cast for the first time? You get a... Uh, if your commander, I believe the way it works is if your commander has choose a background, uh, then you pick a card with the uh, subtype background in as your second commander, and it works like partner. You don't have to have your commander in play to cast the background. You can recast the background as you need to. So Volo's got a lot of value going on here, because pr- presumably this is in a deck where he's either a commander or fits into some other strategy you're running, where... So, for instance, you could be in something like Shapeshifter, like a five-color Shapeshifters deck. You're going to include Volo because every time you cast anything, you're going to put a token, you're going to put a counter on his spellbook, and then on the next subsequent turns, you're going to draw a card, then two cards, then three cards, then four cards, then five cards, and you pick some background that presumably helps with your overarching strategy. Uh, this looks like a pretty strong, you know, Jaimdai tome analog for the modern era in creature heavy decks with a lot of creature types. Yeah, um, there's going to be a lot of cool stuff to be done with this, and it's a, a new way to play around with the command zone, which is always a uh, a good time. One thing I'll say, if I'm picking between which of these mythic blue mythics will be worth more, I'll minister Simulacrum or Volo. Volo is narrow inside a very specific set of circumstances. Elm ministers don't don't care. You're just going to cast yeah, that. Elm ministers just going to be. It's just going to be in blue decks, yeah. and it's going to do a bunch of work, kind of like sub- Sublime Epiphany. 
Like you don't want to pick the um, the the more valuable card is almost never the commander attracts and notwithstanding, it's going to be the card that goes in a bunch of other commander decks. They showed us a bunch of adventure related cards, including an adventure commander. Do you uh and Lucky Clover got bought the hell out, right? Yeah, and I would imagine that the uh the innkeeper not is it Edgewall Innkeeper? I believe so. The one that makes a treasure and then There are like fifty cents or something right now. I almost made it one of my picks this week. Um could well go from fifty cents to five dollars if if this commander is popular. Commander in question is Gorion Wise Mentor. Uh, green, white, blue, 3-4, legendary creature, human, wizard, vigilance. Whenever you cast an adventure spell, you can copy it. You may choose new targets for the copy. So this is just all about, will there be enough good adventure spells to make Gorion interesting? And they are certainly coughing up some here, including, for instance, Monster Manual. Three and a green for an artifact that lets you pay one and a green, tap. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. So... Sneak attack that lasts seems pretty solid. And, yeah. the, and then the adventure part of this is two and a green zoological study, sorcery, mill five cards, then return a creature card milled this way to your hand. So if you have your Gorion out, you mill ten cards, return two creatures to your hand, and then, then you cast the monster manual and start putting them into play. That seems quite solid. I gotta admit, um, like, there's a lot of good things that you can do with adventure, and we were overdue for the adventure commander this way. So this is straightforward and awesome. You know, I, I do love a commander that tells you exactly what to do. Um, just below that is a, a card I'm stunned is that uncommon. Uh, Lozon the Dragon's Legacy, three red, blue, flying. When you cast an adventure spell or a dragon spell... It deals damage equal to that spell's mana value to any target that isn't a commander. Just like, just a dragon that says every dragon you cast comes with, you know, four, five, six damage attached to it. Just throw anywhere. Like, not even target creature or planeswalker. You can hit people in the face. Yeah, so Lozan goes straight into your Ur-Dragon deck, right? I needed, uh, am I, I like, uh, let me just say that the group chat that uh, I'm in with uh, my foul-mouthed friends who are equally foul-mouthed, um, we all had metaphors that I cannot say on this podcast, and each one was more true than the next, here's just for a, how excited I am for this stupid card. Here's a fantastic card that's going straight into Corvold. Baba Lasaga, Night Witch, one black-green, three-three human warlock, never mind that I'm a huge Baba Yaga fan from Hellboy lore. Tap sac sack up to three permanents. If there were three or more card types among the sacrifice permanents, each opponent loses three life, you gain three life, and you draw three cards. So you sack creature, artifact, land, for instance. Each opponent loses three, you gain three, and you draw three cards. If you're in a sacrifice-based deck and you happen to be in green-black, going to be hard to argue you are not running Babala Saga. you got to have a reason not to, and that's... Uh... Hard, hard, hard to imagine, given all the treasure nonsense going around. It's going to be real easy to find the three card types. Yeah. Um, with th This is a, a draft set like the original Commander Legends, correct? Yeah. This is 
bonkers. It's a real good looking card. Uh, we're getting a new uh, commander for uh, party time. Um, where is that on this list? She's black, white. Why is she not on this list up down here? Um, never mind. I got to find it. But uh, it's the one where you get to cast uh, the four party types off the top of your deck. And I got to find it. Hang on. All right. Well, I'll go through a few of these other commanders. Dinah here, Invoker Adept, one Jeskai, four, four Human Wizard. Haste. You may activate abilities of other creatures you control as though those creatures had haste. Tap. When you next activate an ability this turn by spending four or more mana to activate it, copy that ability. You may choose new targets for the copy. So you're going to find a bunch of creatures that are hard, that have overcost abilities, and then you are going to double the effect of those abilities. Uh once you find the mana to pull it off. Probably a pretty fun build. Certainly unique. I would have to go through a list of what can be included in there to figure out how powerful it is. But I'm sure there are at least a handful, a double handful of creatures that get real nasty if you get to double the ability and, and pull it off. Seems like a deck that's going to be probably pretty weak in the early game. Uh, but we'll see. There's a Nine Fingers Keen, one Sultai for a Human Rogue 4-4 four, four with Menace. Ward is pay nine life. <laughs> might yeah. As, might as well make it hexproof at nine life for the ward. <laughs> no, nine life is great. Like, if you want it dead, it'll die. But, ooh, is it going to cost you? Whenever Nine Fingers Keen deals combat damage to a player, look at the top nine cards of your library. You may put a gate card from among them onto the battlefield. Then if you control nine or more gates, put the rest in, into your hand. Otherwise, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So this is your gates, Commander. And uh, a ton of Mazes Inns shot off today because they also revealed Baldur's Gate as a legendary land that's also a gate. Taps for colorless. And then two, tap, add X mana of any one color, where X is the number of other gates you control. So they basically got their own Nykthos just for gates which is the last thing the Gates deck needed to fulfill their gatey goodness. Uh, the card I was thinking of is Nalia Diarnis, uh, legendary human rogue for one black-white. It's a 3-3. Three, three. You, you may look at the top card of your library anytime. You may cast cleric, rogue, warrior, and wizard spells from the top of your library. At the beginning of combat on your turn, if you have a full party, put a 1-1 one, one counter on each creature you control, and they gain death touch. Gotcha. So, like, um, Tazri was a five-color party commander, and now we have the two-color one, uh, mainly because the full party stuff was really concentrated in white and black. Gotcha. Here's the card I'm going to get you for Christmas. Cliffgate. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks. Enters uh, the battlefield the... tapped. Uh, it's a cycle of common gates where they have one color already chosen and you choose the other. So it's like adjustable duels that's actually pretty good uh especially in, um, especially in draft because you can it's essentially a it's a, a five color land up to a five color land and if more realistically you're probably in two colors with a splash and you can get the second color or the splash depending on what you need that seems solid isn't there a cycle of this that was already in there it's like secluded or something uh, no, that's not no, the one I'm thinking. No, those ones tap for two a couple times, then disappear. 
No, I'm thinking of something else. It's um, add a color or the chosen color. It just wasn't a gate. Sure. But bottom line, the, the gates deck has all these gates to work with now. So the, the gate deck, the maze's end is going to continue to pop off. Um, and this is a, a pretty solid gatey commander that they've coughed up. Um, they also show, here's a couple, here's a cue card. Uncommon. Didn't see anybody talk about this today. Not sure if it's financially relevant, but could be. Uh, Rug of Smothering. Three for a 1-3 flyer construct. Whenever, construct is cute because with Brothers War coming, who knows what kind of construct tribal we're going to get. Who knows. Anyway, whenever a player casts a spell, they lose one life for each spell they've cast this turn. So. So it's the opposite of the space, of the uh, Aether Flux Reservoir? Yep. And so that first one cost them one. The second one cost them two, then three, then four, then five. And if they try to do something infinitely that involves casting the same thing over and over again in a turn to win the game, they just, they don't do that because they're going to die. <laughs> yeah. That's cute. So that's like cute. That. I could see some play. The diamonds are all back. Marble, sky, charcoal, fire, moss. Uh, people are a little surprised they didn't cough up the medallions, which... Those are all missed. kind of expensive to put in at... Uh common and whatnot sure but they could have put them put them at another rarity and 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 made them yeah but made the draft format less reliant on it we're getting reflecting pool in this set good and all like of and, and sea of clouds morphic pool etc at last seen in the zendikar rising expeditions which probably puts uh some pressure on the prices like downward pressure or stalling pressure on the prices of the fancy versions uh unfortunately because i'm holding a big old chunk of those but uh, I think things will be all right uh, in that regard. There's no foil common or uncommon extended arts this time, like we had in Commander Legends. So that's notable. Uh, what else jumped out at me? Mikrol Lord of Bones. Four white, black, green for a 7-5 legendary creature god. As long as your life total is less than or equal to half your starting life total, Lord of Bones has indestructible. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, you may exile it. If you do, create a token that's a copy of that card, except it's an enchantment and loses all other card types. So, kind of like a Mothra. Right. Where your stuff dies and it comes back. Uh, if you have Mothra and Mikrol out, <laughs> you get two for everything that dies. That's fun. I like... John Irenicus Shattered One. I could see this being one of the top five commanders from this product. Two black, blue, three, three, legendary creature, elf wizard. At the beginning of your end step, target opponent gain, con- gains control of up to one target creature you control. Put two plus one plus one counters on it and tap it. It's goaded for the rest of the game and it gains this creature can't be sacrificed. Whenever a creature you own but don't control attacks, you draw a card. So you just put a bunch of good things into play and then give them to your opponents and then they get bigger and they fight for you and you don't even have to be doing anything. You don't do a thing. They're goaded for the rest of the game. That means that the rest of the game, they it has to attack and as long as it can attack somebody besides you, it has to do that. So this is a great way to kill the first and second player in your pod. You just got to be careful about um, when you tap the... Um, What's the land that uh, Homeward Path? Homeward Path sure. is going to spike real hard with this because you're going to give it away with two counters 
let it do some damage, and then you're going to pull it back. Mm-hmm. Uh, Has it already spiked, or have people been slow on that? Homeward path. Let's see. Uh, it does have a judge promo at uh, $80. How many copies of that are sitting around? Let's see. Right now, there are four listings. And it looks like people were on to this quickly today. Uh, there were three copies sold under 60 for lightly played foils. Uh, but since there were uh, versions in Commander 2016, 13, and the original 2011, it's not like these are hard to find. But Europe. we are seeing a lot of copies sold today. Europe is where you want to snap these off. Yeah. Still, still under $45. It's still going to be uh, a a wonderful combo, you know. Your commander plus a land in your deck, that's a that's a winner. And you give away all your crazy stuff. I like this guy too, Astarion the Decadent, four white black oh, yeah. vampire elf rogue. First of all, it's a vampire and an elf and a rogue, so it's going to find homes in a bunch of decks over time. Death Touch Lifelink four four. At the beginning of your end step, choose one. Feed. Target opponent loses life equal to the amount of life they lost this turn. Or friends, you gain life equal to the amount of life you gain this turn. Yeah, I I guess I'm putting that in a Loro. <laughs> it's hard, hard to imagine that goes wrong in that deck. Yeah. Yeah. Just solid as hell. Just whatever you've done, double it up. Yeah, in a Loro, I'm either draining the ready to drain the table to death or I'm gaining a bunch of life. I gain eight, then the Starion makes it sixteen, that's fine. I mean, what the the money here, of course, is with Sanguine Bond, and then you yeah, just, yeah, yeah. you know, of course, go crazy. I love that we got a um, a new commander for Devils and Imps and Demons, the um, Raphael the fiend- Fiendish Savior. Yeah, three red black for a four four flyer. Other demons, devils, imps, and tieflings get one yeah. one and tieflings. I don't play D and D. My bad. Uh, tieflings. 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 They get 1-1 and have lifelink, and at the beginning of each end step, if a creature card was put into your graveyard from anywhere this turn, you get a red devil token that's 1-1. When it dies, it deals a damage. Given those little pinging guys, plus 1, plus 1, and lifelink is going to be surprisingly big game. Puts a little pressure on, put a little pressure on Obnixilus the Adversary as well. I mean, it's also going to be real, real good with your um, uh, uh, Thane of Red Fell Torbrand. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm getting. I gotta keep track of too many cards these days. My my brain's overflowing. You you feel that? <laughs> Do you feel that overflowing? Let's see. What, um, what else jumps out here? I uh, there was another one. The uh, the Harvester that um, is going to be the new um, Ixodon Ixodron, I should say. So it's uh, four and a blue. It's got uh, first. It's got the adventure of sorcery, X blue blue, tap X creatures. They don't untap during the controller's next untap steps. So then next turn you can cast this four and a blue, four four horror. But when it comes into play, turn any number of target tapped non-token creatures face down. They're now two two horrors. Yeah. So you get, and if you've you ever tap down the biggest shit or the most problematic shit, turn it into two twos, and then presumably have some way like meat hook massacre or whatever to clear them away well honestly if they're that big a problem you don't necessarily want to clear them away this is one of the only ways to like turn something off permanently you know uh just like ixodron does where 
Now all your cool stuff is just off. Yeah. yeah. So so you don't care because presumably you've got whatever set up propaganda, any number Better of different things, any number of different things where you don't worry. Uh, if they have two twos, you only care if something bigger and weirder is happening or combo rific. Uh, I'm not super high on this card, um, but I can certainly see it getting played in the Vant adventure deck because they're going to need all the, all the cards they can find. Um, Gale Waterdeep Prodigy looks pretty solid. Two and a blue for a 1-3 human wizard. Whenever you cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand, you may cast up to one target card of the other type from your graveyard. So if you cast an instant, you get to cast a sorcery from your graveyard. Cast a sorcery, you get to cast an instant. If a spell cast from your graveyard, this way would be put into your graveyard. Exile it instead. Fair. Uh, it's basically like a constant snapcaster, as long as you have a balanced amount of sorceries and instants in your deck. And you choose a background when you play it. So you could play this as your commander, but it'll probably also just goes in Is It and Grixis and Jeskai Spells Matters decks anyway. Yeah, it just, you know, brings along a friend. What's not to love with that? You're going to get to cast something and then cast something else. Uh, Wizards of Thay, three and a blue for a 3-3 with Myriad. Instants and sorceries you cast cost one less. And you may cast instances, I'm sorry, sorceries as though they had flash. So the the money combo here is going to be, you put into play, your stuff is one less. But during your attack step, when you've got, you know, two extra copies, three extra copies, now your stuff is costing three or four mana less to cast. And now your sorceries are super cheap. Yeah. Thank God this is not a legendary creature. There's also Jahira's Respite, four and a green, for search your library for up to X basic land cards, where X is the number of creatures attacking you. Put those cards onto the battlefield tapped, then shuffle. So you, if you're behind, but you've managed to uh, get at least... I think you're reading the wrong card. This says uh, Traverse the Outlands, right? No, no, no. No, you're thinking the other card. No, There's J- two of these? Jahira's, Jesus Christ. Jahira's Respite, yeah. Four and a green for an instant, and it's a fog effect. It has prevent all combat damage that will be dealt this turn. So you're block- shutting down an attack, and however many attackers were there were, you go get that many uh, basic lands out of your deck and put them into play. Most of my decks don't have enough basic lands to care about this, but I could see in a Lands Matters deck this would be quite solid. Like if you're in Lord Windgrace or something... Casting this in the mid game is going to be pretty nasty because it's going to trigger a whole bunch of shit. In the same set, at the same rarity, we have Traverse the Outlands, four and a green, sorcery, search your library for X basic lands, where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. So that's just like so much better. They're and they're both they're both both rares, wildly. Once sorcery. Oh my one's god, innocent. what a what a turd in the punch bowl is Jahira's Respite to open it rare. So they also gave us some some background examples. We've got... Right. These are the cards that you're going to get to cast over and over again. Presumably, it, it just means that if somebody manages to get rid of it, you're going to get a chance to play it again. Correct. Uh, which is in many ways similar to auras that tend to replace themselves or be recastable later. Because Wizards figured out ages ago that Auras were easily the worst permanents because of the possibility of being two for one. And so I guess to head that off, they came up with this background thing. But they're all meant to improve your commander in some way. So you got Shameless Charlatan, one in a blue. Uh, and these are very cool thematic things for D&D because when you create your character in D&D, you choose a background to help explain 
you know, you were an orphan raised by nuns, whatever. you. So, Shameless Charlatan, one in a blue. Commander creatures you own have two blue. That This creature becomes a copy of another target creature. <laughs> Lots of situations where that could be fun. Uh, Cultist of the Absolute. Black, one black. Commander creatures you own get plus three, plus three, have flying, death touch, ward, pay three life, and at the beginning of the upkeep, sacrifice a creature. Auto include in Corvold. Corvold's already yeah. like a 5-5 five, five to a 10-10. Ten, ten. Now he's apparently flying. He gets death touch, ward, pay three life, and plus three, plus three for one mana. The thing to note is that you get um, a background with your commander that has choose a background, but you can also throw these enchantments into your deck and it will still give this bonus even if your commander doesn't have it. So like uh, there was one of them that I was thinking about like, oh, wouldn't that be... Uh, the one that made me laugh was uh, Raised by Giants, the five and a green commander creatures you own have base power and toughness 10-10 and are also giants. Like I'm going to play that with the Hydra, Zexira, and uh, just have giant death touching going on and I can't wait to do stuff like that. The other way that's cute is in the a partner set where at least one of the partners is very cheap. Isn't there a doggo that's like one for a two one dog or something? Yoshimaro uh, Ever Faithful. Legendary dog with partner. One one. Yeah. So you get that. Give him 10 10 and you're casting him in the mid game for three or five mana and he's an 11 11. Seems cute. Didn't, <laughs> say, cute. Didn't, didn't say it was good, but it's cute. I mean, uh, that's a big dog. Who doesn't love a big fluffy doggy? Yeah. I mean, if you've learned anything in MGG Finance in the last few years, it's that cats and dogs are money. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, there is this insanely pushed bear. Wilson Refined Grizzly, one in a green, two, two, legendary creature bear warrior. Spell can't be countered. Vigilance, reach, trample, ward two. He'd certainly like to be a 10-10 giant. Yeah. Uh... You know, there's, like, how many fun abilities can you toss on a bear? Like, they, they love doing this bear thing. I don't think you're going to do better than the mama bear, uh, who, like, every time you cast a bear, you either put two counters on or a bear fights. But this is a fun bear, too. Criminal Past, two in a black, legendary enchantment background. Commander creatures you own have menace, and this creature gets plus X plus zero, where X is the number of creature cards in your graveyard. So in Ninjas, for instance, in Yuriko, something like that, your Yuriko has Menace and plus X plus zero equal to the number of feature cards in your graveyard. Fine. Well, if you want to get crazy with uh, Corvold stuff, how about one, a green enchantment background, Street Urchin, uh, commander creatures you own have one, sack another creature or an artifact, it deals one damage to any target. Just shoot everything down. Get huge. I'm going to be curious about all of the backgrounds because these are designed to be good enough to be played in the 99, especially these rare ones. You know, the uncommon ones are there mostly to help you have a second color in your draft experience if you don't land. So some of um, them, some of them may be good enough to just put in your deck as is. Like, for instance, Cultus of the Absolute is probably just a 99 card in Corvold because it gives me a free sack every turn. Right. Uh, there's also stuff like Master Chef. Commander creatures have this creature comes into play with a 1-1 counter and other creatures you control enter the battlefield with an extra 1-1 counter. There's a lot of decks that would want that as long as they have their commander in play. And what we don't know yet is how many 
Like, you have to find the right uh, combination of always plays the commander before this is good. So, like, the Ur-Dragon could not give two craps about these these cards because, like, you don't need to make the Ur-Dragon better. And honestly, by the time I'm casting it, uh, the game's over. But there's a lot of these, like, um, I'm thinking about uh, Cultist of the Absolute for my Ayara deck. Because giving her ward uh, pay three life and getting a free sacrifice in there, that's not a terrible thing for that deck. There's a lot of coming and going of creatures. It's a real aristocrat build. So I can see decks wanting this. And especially Shameless Charlatan, I think, is going to have some real combo implications. I will say this, though. Before you can properly evaluate any potential commander that says choose a background on it, you need to know which background they are likely to be choosing. Right. Because the text on that card is effectively spread across two cards. Yes. Like, here's a here's an example of a card that is just total word soup, where you really need to know your total game plan before you can assess how good the card is. M-O-N Mystic Trickster, two and a blue, human rogue wizard, two, three, ward two. At the beginning of your end step, if you have the initiative, <laughs> draw a card. Draw another card if you've completed a dungeon. Choose a background. So you need to know which initiative-based cards, dungeon cards, and backgrounds you have available to MON that would make a cohesive whole. And then you you will have a sense of is this a trivial commander or an extremely good commander. I need to go. I would need to go research all of the the tan- tangents that are mentioned on this card to know for sure if MON matters at all. So this is going to be a tricky set to evaluate up front. I'm curious how many how many people will get their early guesses wrong as to which commanders will float to the top because they, there's significant complexity here. Well, I also want to say that the initiative is pretty damn amazing. Have you uh, are you familiar with it yet? Have, yep. we, have we mentioned it on here? Mm, I'm so, not sure. The initiative is kind of like uh, the monarchy, only not quite as overtly powerful. So when you get the initiative, like you said, uh, uh, with that wizard, uh, whenever one more creature's player deals combat damage to you, that player takes the initiative away. So whenever you take the initiative, or at the beginning of your upkeep, uh, that's when you, you venture into the Undercity, which is a new dungeon, which is a really pushed dungeon. Like, your first stop in the dungeon, everybody gets uh, to tutor for... You get to tutor for, basically, and reveal it, put it into your hand. So, like, all these cards that come with the initiative, they start off with uh, search your library for a basic and put it into your hand. Right? So... Yeah, it's a solid value chain, because one one route through the dungeon is counters on a creature, somebody loses five life, you draw a card, and at the very end... Reveal the top 10 cards of your library. Put a creature card from among them onto the battlefield with three plus one plus one counters on it. It gains hexproof until your next turn, then shuffle. <laughs> this is a really good dungeon. Solid payoff. Uh, the other However, route, the you... other route is scry two and then either goad something or create a treasure token. Then catacombs, which is create a 4-1 black skeleton creature token with menace. So yes, this is a better dungeon for sure. Well, it... It's just worth mentioning that you can't venture into this dungeon with other venture card, other venture cards. You have to be specifically venturing into Undercity with the initiative. Gotcha. So people who want to go crazy on dungeon cards before this set, that does not appear to be a thing that's going to pay off. 
Yep, fair point. All right, so that's most of the, the best stuff we've seen so far. I'd say the set uh, is looking pretty good, but it you know I do want to see a Jeweled Lotus-type payoff here. We got the cool cards. We haven't gotten the uh, Kerblam money cards yet. I will say this, though. There is a fancy version of cards that was revealed last week for Double Masters, right? That was going to be in 3% of all packs. Something like that. Yeah, I haven't had a chance to do that math yet either. Yeah, so that those are looking very rare indeed. You, you need to open many thousands of dollars worth of product to find one. Given the pri- given that the price on Amazon currently is something like $230 for four packs, and they have 15 cards each. So every, And each of those packs has, I think, between four and six rares and mythics. Something like that, yeah. There are going to be foil borderless versions of cool cards in this set, both new and reprints. Still waiting on that Dockside Extortionist to be revealed, and hopefully a few other heavy, heavy hitters. We haven't seen a like very exciting artifact yet, so there's got to be something coming. I imagine there's going to be something coming. Yes, we like I said, you know, we they showed us a lot of the fun thematic things. They haven't necessarily hit us with the big money yet. All right. Well, thank you very much, Cliff. Where can people find you online? You can find me online at uh, on Twitter at Word of Commander, or you can find me in my weekly Friday articles on mtgprice.com. And you guys can find me online at on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com and my constant haunting of the ProTrader Discord. I'd also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service, for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year, you can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that will drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed, promo- sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Please use the promo code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Ooh, that's a lot of new stuff we talked about, James. Happy birthday! Look what they gave you for your birthday, man. They got you all these new things to look at and speculate on. Thank you so much, Magic the Gathering. Thank you, Cliff, and we'll see you all next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. (laughs) 